Good morning. It is uh, good to be back with you. I am back from the dead, so to speak. Thank you last week, Wade, for uh, stepping in. And I asked my kids what you preached on, and they said you preached on that he is imperishable. It's imperishable, the gift that he gave us. So uh, thank you for that. Um, One quick story, as you are turning to Revelation chapter 17, I was in Baptist Minor Medical Facility over on Germantown Parkway last week about this time, and the nurse, actually about 12, 31 o'clock, the nurse was like, do you need a slip to get back to work? And I said, well, I just missed work for the whole week because I only work one day a week, at least that's what they say. And she said, where do you work? I said, I'm a pastor. And so uh, for the next 15 minutes, I couldn't get out of there. She was like, oh, I'm sorry, pastor, we didn't get you out in time. I was like, that's all right. It's all right. Somebody filled in. She couldn't believe that uh, I had a church. She said, I'm not old enough. I was like, well, feel it. But uh, anyway, um, glad to be here this morning. Look forward to our time, even though it is a tough passage ahead. Um, I've entitled this message this morning, That the End is in Sight. The End is in Sight. In Revelation chapter 17, I'm going to read chapter 17 and chapter 18. We see Babylon, a city, depicted as a harlot or as a prostitute. And we also see her demise. Read with me. I'll read audibly. You follow along either on the screen or with your personal copy of God's Word as I read these verses for us. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come. I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery. Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of the earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk. With the blood of the saints, blood, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit bottomless pit and go to destruction and the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come this calls for a mind with wisdom the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated They are also seven kings, five of whom who have fallen, 
one is and the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is, the eighth, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seventh. And it goes to destruction. The ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power. But they are to receive authority as kings for an hour together with the beast. These are of one mind. They hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they are the beast. Excuse me, that you saw. They and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put into their hearts to carry out His purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having, a great, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt of, for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped. As high as the heavens, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in her cup that she has mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since her heart, in her heart, she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine. And she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon. For in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, 
pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves, that is human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you. And all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear for her her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas for this great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with gold and jewels, with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city is like the great city. And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven. And you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel stood up excuse me, took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will will not be found in you anymore. And the sound of the meal will be heard in you no more. And the light of lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of a bridegroom and a bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones on the earth. And all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in you, excuse me, in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all who have been slain on the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a sight. What a sight this will be when these verses unfold. When these verses are played out in full sight. A treacherous day. But also a day of victory. For you win. God, as we look at this this morning, would you uh, allow me, would you allow us to, to wrap our arms around your word? Would you allow us, Father, also to, to apply your word? Apply your word to our heart, to our life for today. Father, would we leave here closer to you because we understand your heart. And how much you love us. And how much you desire men and women to come to know you. 
and to surrender their lives to you. I ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Three keys to understanding the end is in sight. The first is this. With demise in sight, the high and mighty is toppled. If you read chapter 17, you see that this one, this great city, Babylon, is toppled. It is thrown and laid in waste. Babylon is a great city. It was a great city. It has been a great city. It has been the Mount Everest of its day in it, all of its splendor. But from Genesis chapter 10, even to this moment today, there is this city known as Babylon. Nimrod brought it about. He, he brought it about in such a way he laid the foundation for this city, Babylon, for this nation that would be called the Babylonian Empire. He laid the foundation as he brought together a group of people when God said, hey, you need to disperse and fill the earth. They came together and said, no, guess what we're going to do? We're going to stay here. We're going to congregate on this great plain because it is a vast plain, but it is also a plain where we can have some crops and where we will build a tower to God. Nimrod founded it in Genesis chapter 10 and as he founded it, they built this tower. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to build it so high that they would be absolutely right in the face of God and they would be shaking their fist at Him each and every day as they bowed down to worship whoever they wanted to worship. And so God changed up their language to multiple languages and spread them out across the earth and He brought about His plan. But even from that moment, Babylon in its infancy and also at its greatest moments of it being the world power under Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar in the days of Daniel, to even after the Medes and the Persians came through and even later the Romans, it is still looked at as a symbol of the world's system. And here is this prostitute, Babylon. Here's this prostitute. This harlot, the one who is pictured here in vivid color. And you ask, why in the world does God put things like this in his word? I believe one of the reasons that God puts things like this so vivid and so right there in our faces is so that we will be startled by it. We will understand, hey, this slaps in God's face. We need to take heed of this and not be any part of it whatsoever. Look with me as this great city is toppled. 7 angels, one of the 7 angels there in verse number 1 says, "Let me show you this judgment of this great city or this great prostitute who is seated on the many waters." And I love the example that John gives. Because in verse number 6, he says, When I saw her, I marveled. The angel comes and says, Why in the world are you marveling at that? 
this just shows to me as, as I read it this week and as I was reading over it again this weekend and this morning and I looked at it, it just shows to me if I would have been the one that was writing, I wouldn't have put any of my mistakes in there. I'll just go ahead and tell you. It just wouldn't have happened. But because one of the reasons that I believe God's Word is true is because the people, the men that wrote it, allowed for their inconsistencies, their failures, i.e. their sin, even to be placed in it as they wrote it. When I saw her, I marveled. And the angel said, why in the world are you marveling at her? She's going to go into the bottomless pit. Let me show you the end of the story. She is toppled down. When Jod saw these things, he marveled. And the angel said, don't marvel at her. Let me tell you this mystery. So let me try to unpack this mystery just a little bit and in doing so let's take a few steps back and look at where we've been where we are and what's going to happen here if you look all the way back in chapter 7 chapter 7 through 10 there are these seven seals that are being broken and after the seven seals there's these trumpets and after these seven trumpets that are blown there are as we saw a couple of weeks ago seven bowls of wrath. We've looked at these and said, hey, here's a cycle of this great tribulation. It's getting worse. As John opens up and sees another side of it, he sees, all right, first seven seals. And then it gets a little worse. There's seven trumpets. And then he gets a little worse. And there's seven uh, bowls of wrath that are poured out until God's final, ultimate judgment, anger, wrath is poured out in that seventh bowl of wrath. This is a depiction of that coming about. And as that is being poured out, we see this woman. Different from the woman in chapter 12. But this woman, who is a picture of the world and all of its systems and all of its glory, all the world's glory and all of its glamour, dressed up in all of the pretty linens and and adorned with gold and with silver, with jewels and with pearls, about to be toppled. You know, it might work for a short time for us to to run after the things like this woman has run after. It, It might work for a short time for that to come about, but John reminds us that... This lady, that Babylon, this great city, that this system, this way of thinking is going to fall. John says, let me tell you, here's the unfolding of this prophecy. The beast that you saw, who was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go into destruction... Uh, that beast is the same beast. If you look back in, Re- in Revelation chapter 13, he is there. He is a part of what Satan has mimicked God with and said, all right, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Here's my unholy Trinity, Satan, the, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Here is the beast. And who is this beast? Well, this beast is going to be the one who is going to be ruler over the whole world in the midst of this tribulation. In the midst of this tribulation, there's going to be a seven-year period, and this beast is going to be the world ruler. And for three and a half years, there will be peace, quote, end quote. 
And at the middle of this time, this last seven years, this beast will come on the scene as the world leader and he will say, hey, don't bow down. He's there in Jerusalem. They have rebuilt the temple. He says to the Jews and to all the world, don't bow down to anybody else but me. Worship me. And that is when all the struggle, the persecution, the torment on earth will come about. This beast, John pictures him here as one who has fallen. If you look back in Revelation chapter 13, he has a mortal wound to his head just as Christ was died on a cross, was placed in a tomb for three days and rose from the dead, this beast will mimic that. And he, as John depicts in chapter 13 and here in chapter 17, he was, he goes away, but he comes back. He will have a mortal wound. Something will kill him. And whether Satan is allowed to raise him from the dead or he brings about somebody who looks just like him as somebody that is there on the scene, he comes back on the scene. And he rules for this time period. Continue there in verse number 8, verse number 9. This calls for a mind of wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains, and there are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen, verse 10 states. So what's he depicting? He's depicting five different, excuse me, seven different kings or different empires. They go all the way back to Egypt. Five of them have already come about. One is right now. So in the time that John is writing, there is one nation that is ruling and reigning the known world. It's the Roman Empire. And then there is one that will come, i.e. under the beast, as he brings about world domination Once again, the ten horns, verse 12, that you saw, they are ten kings who have not yet received royal power. So the Roman Empire is at play in the first century, second and third century, then it's kind of dissipated. But there will come a day where there will be ten kings and they will all have authority over different regions and different kingdoms. And what they will do is they will come together and they will give it to the beast and say, Hey, beast, take over the whole world. Here it is. We, we give you the power. And so they do that. And the beast takes that from them and he has world dominion. You say, all right, let's get back to this woman. This woman is somewhat intriguing. Be careful. But this woman, the world system, this Babylon, the great city that, God, that Satan has used to draw men and women from many generations, from all different sections of the world to It's glory. He states this. These ten horns, these ten kings that you saw that are going to come up and they're going to give all their dominion and their power to the beast there in verse number 16. They're going to hate the prostitute. And they will make her desolate and they will make her naked and they will devour her flesh and they will burn her up with fire.
Satan uses her up. Catch this. Because he does the same thing to you and to me. Satan uses her up and as soon as he is through with her, he throws her over on the ash heap and burns her up. Do you know that's what sin does to you? It does to me. We'll look in just a second. Hebrews 11.25 says, yes, yeah, sin is, has its pleasure for a season. And it does. But in the end, sin leaves you wanting. Sin leaves you naked. Sin leaves you defeated. Just as we see the picture here of Babylon. Chapter 17, verse 8, down through verse 18. You look at the beast and you see those seven rulers. You see that tribulation period as it begins and as he comes on the scene and as he rules and reigns. The beast uses Babylon to get to where he is, ruling and reigning the world. And then I take you to Matthew 12 and we see the words of Christ. He says, but when the Pharisees heard it in Matthew 12, 24, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom that's divided against itself is laid in waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? The beast is divided against Babylon. The kings are divided against this world system that has brought all their wealth, all their power, and they are divided against it, and she falls, and ultimately, they fall. The same dragon, the same beast, the same tempter, he's after you and he's after me. He seeks to kill he seeks to steal. He seeks to destroy. But John 10.10 10 states, The thief only does that, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Second point, the voices of lamentation and also condemnation are heard. Look at this passage in 18.1-10. I'm not going to read for it. Read it to us. All again, but it states this after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And he goes into this huge statement after statement after statement of how this city, this great city, has fallen. Voices of lamentation are heard. Voices from this angel of condemnation are heard. In verse number 2, he hears the mighty angel call out about the demise and the fall of Babylon. She has flaunted herself to all the nations in the world and they have drunk the wine of this harlot. What a detestable sight. As I read that, I thought about a passage that Solomon wrote. thousand years before Proverbs chapter 5 verse 3 listen to this lady 
and think about her in the same sight of the scarlet prostitute in Revelation. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander. She doesn't know it. And now, O sons, listen to me. And do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. And do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honor to others. And your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their feel of your strength. And your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life. You groan. When your flesh and your body are consumed. This prostitute flaunted everything that she had. She flaunted. In statements there in verse number 7. She glorified herself. She lived in luxury. So I give her like a measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she said like she did in Isaiah chapter 21. Excuse me, chapter 24 in Isaiah chapter 51 where she stated these same statements. I sit as a queen, Babylon does. I am no widow and mourning I shall never see. Yet here she is in mourning. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day. The death and mourning and famine and she will be burned up with fire. Lamentations ring out because of this great fall. The kings of the earth are weeping and they're wailing. Those that are sailing on the land, selling things on the land. Those that are selling things that they've brought in from the sea. They are all wailing and mourning because this has fallen. Nobody's buying anything anymore. Her fall is sure and all the earth sees it. You say, Brian, how, how does this apply to me? I think Paul said it in... 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, he stated this. As we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, all these things that this great Babylon placed in herself and placed as of might and importance to her, things of luxury, gold, silver, pearls, jewels, Things. They're transient. But the things that are unseen, they're eternal. This past year was a record year for internet sales in America. In the past 20 days, $34 billion. $34 billion. Just over the internet. 6% increase from last year to this year. I sat in numerous homes this past week and I watched papers fly. I mean, it was, it was like just, you know that cartoon with the big 
ball of smoke and dust and every now and then somebody would come up for air and then go back in. That was at the homes where I was. I mean, I took part in it. Man, I threw the paper. You better believe it. Love it. But I also sat there after it was all over. Like, hmm. Okay. Got another piece of this clothing or I got another gadget that's only going to make me mad because number one, I'm not going to know how to use it or number two, six months from now, it's going to be obsolete or number three, three weeks from now, somebody's going to break it. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen that my family just opened, they're transient. But the things that are unseen, the things of the heart, the things of Christ, they are eternal. Fallen, fallen is Babylon. Babylon the great, she has become a dwelling place for all these unclean things. And she has fallen. I close with a final point of reference for you and for me. Final wake up to understand the end is near. The plummet of evil is rapid. Everything's going to be fine and dandy. One day. And then in Revelation chapter 18, verse 10, verse 17, verse 19, and verse 21, it states, in an hour, in one hour, all of it was over. The plummet of evil is rapid. The surety of the fall takes place, and it takes place rapidly. You and I need to take heed. I stated the verse earlier, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25. In the ESV, it states it this way, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The King James states the pleasures of sin for a season. But know this, your sin, your sin, my sin, our sin. It, it loves darkness. And it wants to stay in the dark. But it will not stay in the dark. Our sin will be found out. My sin will be found out. Your sin will be found out. Although there is pleasure of sin. Possibly for a season. And although it desires to remain in darkness. Just like Babylon's sin was seen. Yours and mine will be as well. But your sin and my sin being found out isn't the end. If you look there in verse 20, it states, Rejoice. Rejoice over this. O heaven, you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you. He's come down on your side against her. What is seen, the things of this world, they will be cast down and things that are not seen, the spiritual things, they will Remain. Oh, sir, don't put your faith, 
Don't put your trust. Don't put your time in your 401k. Don't put your trust and faith in the things that you opened this week, whether if it has a key and you can drive it around or you can sit in a recliner or maybe it was the recliner. Don't put your faith and your trust in gold and silver and popularity and pleasure and your job. Don't even put your trust in your family. Don't put your trust in your life, but put it in eternal things. Put your trust today in God. He was faithful then. 2,000 years ago as John was writing this. He was faithful even before that. As Solomon, we read from him today in Proverbs chapter 5. He was faithful in Genesis chapter 10. He was faithful in the beginning of time. And he will remain faithful forever and ever. He rules and he reigns now and forevermore. Put your trust in him. For as John puts it in Revelation chapter 18, he is the Lord of lords and he is the King of kings. Place your trust there today. Turn from the things of this world and turn to Christ. He loves you. He came to give life to you and to give you that life for all eternity. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. Father, in one respect, it is a, a hard passage to kind of grasp. But Father, in another, it's something that has dulled us every single day as we have focused on stuff, as we have focused on temporary, transient things instead of placing our focus and our trust on the King of kings and the Lord of lords, on you. Father, thank you for the reminder of Revelation 17 and 18 for me this morning that my trust and my hope and my faith is to be in you. Father, might it be for all of us this morning. Father, for those of us who have lost focus of you, draw us back. Father, for those that are here this morning that have never trusted in you, that do not have a personal relationship with you, God, would you use this as a wake-up call to show them how much you love them and what their end is looking like without you. Father, may they know that you don't desire any to perish, but all to have eternal life. But God, they must come to you on your terms. Father, we're drawing to the end of a year. Father, might we close out the things that are behind us. We can't go back. We can't live there. Father, might today be the day that we say alright I surrender to you afresh and anew for today not just for eternity but for today you rule and reign Sunday in my life that's his desire 
The invitation is open for you, sir. It's open for you, ma'am, to obey. So often the things that you and I are holding on to are transient and temporary. Might we grab a hold of the eternal and not let go? Would you stand and sing praises to our King? If you need to pray with me, I'll be more than happy to pray with you. The altar is open. You come as we sing.